0: Hi everyone, my name is Anisha Murphy and I'm the owner of Just Law LLC. Hi, I'm Michelle Tran Marins. I'm the sparkler in chief at We Sparkle. Welcome to our podcast, We Just Sparkle.
1: Where we provide business advice that grows sustainable entrepreneurs who shine.
0: Hello everyone. I'm Michelle Marens and I'm joined by my co-host Anisha Murphy. And welcome to our podcast, We Just Sparkle. We are so excited today to have Ihotu on our show to talk about her own entrepreneurial journey as a wellness practitioner. And so we just want to kick it off by asking you, Ihotu, to tell us a little bit about yourself and your entrepreneurial journey.
2: Well, I'm really glad to be here. Um, My name is Ihotu Jennifer Ali. I use she, her pronouns. I call myself a cultural healer. I have a background with many different types of training. So from massage and um, chiropractic care, I uh, was trained as a doula initially, many, many years ago uh, in New York City. And so from from that, have a deep love for womb care, abdominal massage work, um, as well as womb healing. I think a lot about family um, and uh, postpartum care, as well as, lineage and ancestry work. Um, I was also trained initially in public health research and used to work um, with the United Nations on maternal health programs. So it's been, let's say I've been an entrepreneur for, for over 10 years and moved from a place of just kind of figuring it out on my own in New York City, which was actually a great place to be an entrepreneur because Lots and lots of entrepreneurs, lots of entrepreneurs of color, being a doula. There were lots of women of color entrepreneurs, yeah, women entrepreneurs, women of color entrepreneurs, and um, yeah, doing the New York hustle thing. So I (laughs) went from from that beginning and learning a lot along the way about how to create uh, business uh, banking accounts and working with QuickBooks and using online scheduling platforms to today being um, the director of the Oshun Center for Intercultural Healing, which is the education arm and business incubator arm under We Sparkle and directing wellness education programs with We Sparkle and working with lovely Michelle and um, also having been a founding member of the Minnesota Healing Justice Network, which provided frontline healing support to protesters um, through the Minneapolis uprising after the murder of George Floyd last year. Um, and, you know, really working in community with a lot of healers here in the Twin Cities, Healers of Color, and getting us to kind of play and find with that balance of how do we help others while also still feeling abundant and not burning ourselves out along the path of helping others.
1: So that is a a great, you know, point and segue to a, a question that I've had around, how did you get into sort of healing, healing work? And you talked about towards the end around burnout, which we've all experienced during COVID. So how do you maintain active in community and the importance of uh, community healers through sort of our current economic environment, but as we sort of create this new normal?
2: Right. Well, burnout is super real. I think we've all experienced some degree of that this past year. And whether you call it burnout or hitting a wall or checking out, um reaching this place where we're just done we're just overwhelmed and I think it's for me my own practice has been finding moments to check in with myself to see how close I am to that wall (laughs) like how much more space do I have Um, adjusting my work schedule if I can and then having practices so I'm a big believer in practices I use lots of cultural practices and traditional medicine practices to kind of keep my energy levels and to make sure that I'm not pouring out more of my cup than I still have inside of it, right? So we only have so much space in our cup. And I think there are some practices that help expand your cup to be a little bit bigger, but everyone has so much energy. You know, there's only 24 hours in a day. So trying to figure out what can I do. So I use things like eating really nourishing foods, using certain herbs, Um, taking baths. I use a lot of water medicines. So I might take a bath after a really, um, I'll say hot day. Like a lot of us experienced a really hot summer. And if we're talking about the term burnout, like you've been so hot that you burned, (laughs) like the wick is gone. Like there's nothing left. So if you think about what makes you like heated or exhausted, or you put out so much energy, you got to refill that. And I like to use water. So um, tea that I'm drinking right now, so this is some chamomile tea (laughs) that I'm drinking, which is really um, relaxing and can help you sleep better. Um, Taking a bath with, um, I took a bath with nettles the other day, and there are things in different traditions, they'll use something called spiritual baths or cleansing baths, um, no matter what kind of your faith tradition, but it's the idea is the water can be cleansing. Not only for your energy, but kind of for your whole for your whole body and your your yeah your your soul. Um, I think what I experienced in 2020 and really since is how do I kind of put myself back together so I'm not just like a robot going on autopilot trying to get through all the things, um, but how to stay in touch with me, my boundaries what are my priorities and not running so hard, especially as a woman of color. Um, so many people have had like new opportunities and started new businesses and leadership. Like how are we also pacing ourselves? Like this is this is long game work, you know, even if you're uh, hustling in leadership positions right now, you know, some things um, have opened up for you. Let's not burn ourselves into the ground. Um, makes me think of the, so this this African Orisha spirit called Oshun that is the namesake of the Oshun Center for Intercultural Healing. She is a spirit of abundance and of sweetness of the sweet waters, right? So this is the or, Orisha tradition, Yoruba tradition that came across from Nigeria over to the Americas. She is about how do we uh, reach liberation? This is kind of my interpretation on her too, but her energy is what's liberating. It's not the work that she does that's liberating. So I think about that a lot. I'm doing a lot of work, I'm organizing, I run a business, but if I don't convey my liberation by the way I move through the world, by the way I interact with with people, the energy I bring into spaces, then I'm working from scarcity on abundance. And what we're trying to get to is this abundant, beautiful land with milk and honey, right? Not just work, 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 and then organize our way there. We kind of have to live it as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. And I think that all of us have struggled this past year, um, but trying to stay hopeful and positive and thinking about that future is really important. What keeps us going, you know, as people who, who are entrepreneurs in a sense, have our own venture trying to do a new project or something that people haven't done before. Um, so kind of looking more toward that positive side of things, you know, what has been your favorite part about starting your own practice? because it can be really daunting to be by yourself, trying to figure out, you know, setting up a bank account, setting up your own practice, you know all of those different things. You know, despite all of these challenges that you've had, what has been sort of the highlights or the best part about starting your own practice? Autonomy. <laughs> for me, for me, it's freedom.
2: Um, I think we're starting to taste it now since the pandemic. One of the, you know, shining like silver linings, I think is. You can work from home you can work your own hours as long as the work gets done you know no one's breathing over your shoulder and for me that's the experience of being an entrepreneur now that said you work really hard <laughs> so it might not you know some days i'm up till 3 a.m doing work but i chose that and for me that's also what liberation is i get to choose if I'm working extra hours, but I'm doing it because I want to, that's a labor of love. That's not forced labor, and there's a big difference. Mm-hmm. So for me as a person of color, you know, a black woman raised in Minnesota, um, who saw who worked for nonprofits, who worked for government, uh, who uh, never quite felt like I fit in kind of a corporate or government or a structured setting. I always felt like I had my own way. I think really big and big picture and futurist and um, I'm very impatient sometimes. <laughs> and I am also very creative and artistic. And I kind of always felt like the world, especially the working world in the United States just didn't fit me. And so for me to be able to do my work and make my own living, Set my own rates. Give discounts when I want to give discounts. Work with the clients I want to work with. You know, create a vision. Create my 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 work becomes my protest. My work becomes my activism. My work is my purpose. Um, For me, that that's what was kind of it was a no brainer. I was never going to go back to a nine to five. I just I you know I'm. I'm Nigerian on my dad's side, and they'd say, like, you know, hard headed. (laughs) Very, very much love um being the master of my own destiny. That's very important to me. And I think it's worth the work. You know, it, it definitely is work and it's a lot of things to learn along the way. But everything, you know, there's this quote like everything worth doing in life, you know, is hard work and takes some energy. But you have a sense of accomplishment at the end that's really
1: beautiful thank you for sharing that uh, you talked about you know burnout and managing burnout then you talked about uh you know choosing which i think me and michelle would agree even though you're up 3 a.m you're still living your dream right um yeah. what else has i i think what has been sort of not even just the most challenging part of entrepreneurship but the growth that you have learned um uh throughout this entrepreneurial path that you are on
2: um well I would say the path has been I've grown in different directions so I could speak to um you know over the last 10 years growing as a practitioner and learning about new kinds of medicines and more about the nervous system and neurology and um you know, how the brain functions when you, and changes even when you're doing meditation, right? And the, the benefits of different types of movement, act, you know, exercises and things like that. Nutrition and the impact on your hormones, you know, when you're eating well and sleeping well and things like that. But then in terms of, of being a business owner, I think really learning how to interface with systems that are not built for you as a, as a you know black woman entrepreneur interfacing with banks interfacing with technology those have been things that have been challenging for me over the years and i continue to work through um i think having you know basically friends and collaborators around me who were who are better and i like kind of helped me along the ropes with those things um being able to choose things like um local um credit unions to be be banking with or black owned banks um to invest my money and learning about investments learning about really really getting a handle on my budget um because that's that's for me that's the real big difference about being an entrepreneur is i handle my own money i handle my own uh, taxes i handle my own accounting and so that's really been the growth for me is to get comfortable with those things which let me tell you, it's a whole healing experience. <laughs> <of> <laughs> I have cried <laughs> over like looking at my money trauma. And you know, shout out to Kenya McKnight and the Black Women's Wealth Alliance that, you know, I got to go through one of their programs and I cried when I realized I had put a glass ceiling on myself. That I didn't think I could ask for that much money, or I didn't think that I could um Step away from just being a solo entrepreneur and seeing clients in my clinic. The pandemic really asked me to think bigger, right? And um, being featured on the Rolling Stones as part of the Minnesota Healing Justice Network asked me to think bigger. Who am I as a teacher, um, a director of wellness education? You know, in addition to being a one-on-one practitioner, um, and will I allow myself to expand? in the same way that I would tell my pregnant clients, um, you know, the, the rib cage throughout the process of pregnancy will grow six to eight inches wider to allow for the baby to have space inside of your ribs. You know, not all the way up in, you've got other things, heart, you know, lungs, but so the baby has space to expand your, your body as a, pregnant person will expand and you know will we and that's a painful process and I remember you know working those intercostals between some people and telling them to take really big breaths and it's okay if their body changes and if it feels different and we're working out you know areas that have had trigger points and kinks in the past there are times as an entrepreneur that the universe is asking you to expand and are you ready and able to go through the growing pains of seeing yourself differently and looking differently. And also what I would say is like fulfilling, you know, something that was, like this purpose that was designed for you, that you, you should step up into, you know, with, with joy. <laughs> if, if also a little bit of, um, I think anxiety comes when you're doing the right thing. You know, when you're doing something big enough, there's always gonna be anxiety, but to, to know that there's joy and excitement in it too.
0: That's so true. I think there is a little bit of discomfort in growing, um, but the growth is is good in the end, that even if there is some discomfort that you you feel at the beginning, usually it's you end up feeling much better in the end that you went through that challenging time or that you faced something that maybe you feared in the past. So I think that definitely resonates with me and I think birthing a business, I, I like that that you use because yeah you definitely you have to make space to allow yourself to expand and grow and um it can be really terrifying but in the end you're really proud of yourself when you've kind of gone through that and made it to the other side so i i think being a doula and watching labor was the best
2: train i ever (laughs) had for for business as well as other things in life to know that you know labor is long and hard and you stay the course and you don't think too too many steps ahead just take one step at a time and know that you know no pain no pain (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: yeah someone who's who's been through that many times over with the different ventures and and practices and, and clients that you've seen what advice do you have for other people who are interested in starting their own practice and starting their own venture? I know that you are currently mentoring some apprentices, you know, what type of advice do you give them or, or to to entrepreneurs in general about starting your own practice?
2: Well, I think the first thing I would say is support. Starting a business can be lonely. And instead of having the support of you know, a boss and coworkers and a whole system around you, now it's just you. And it can be overwhelming to feel like I have to create all this on my own, I have to do it right away. I think we all do better. We're social creatures. You go back in our traditional cultures, no matter if you're originally from you know different parts of Africa or the Americas or Europe, or other places, we, humans I believe were built to be together and our cultures show that you know it was capitalism especially culture here in the United States that made us really separate and isolate and compete with each other rather than build with each other and so I would say find out who are your cheerleaders who are going to hold you up when you feel like I can't do it because there we all get you know people talk about cold feet in marriage and cold feet happens all the time (laughs) with any big venture so it's big what you're doing, expect to feel challenged and to feel overwhelmed and have those people around you to remind you that beneath those feelings is also excitement and joy and um, direction and focus and power, right? And courage. So um, there's that. So have your cheerleaders. I would also say surround yourself with people who are strong in areas where you're not as strong so it's okay we're not all meant to do everything we all have our strengths own your strengths work from your strengths build your business around your strengths but also for me you know money was never my strong suit I came up in a single mom family on welfare and I was working for when I was a young teenager um I am very good at like not be on the streets (laughs) and I'm not very good at like making tons of money, you know? So I wanted to surround myself with people who think a little bit bigger than me in that way, who could push me. Michelle collaborating with you around technology and business court has been um, a great part of my journey as well. And yeah, I'd say build a team if you can, or at least think ahead about who would be your future team members. And then I'd also say, We are living in a world of capitalism and to think about what kind of business you want to build that will bring in enough to support you. Because I do believe in abundance. I don't believe in greed. Mm -hmm. I don't believe in hoarding, but I believe in abundance. And I think, you know, the birds and the lush weather in Minnesota in the summer (laughs) and, um, the plentiful air right that shows us that we come from an abundant earth and we should have what we need right and so to think about being savvy even if you don't love the systems that we live in i don't know there are that many people who 100 percent love all of it but knowing that business um is, is a means to support yourself financially as well as emotionally. And so to make sure that your emotions are in place, that you're doing work that you care about, that you have a passion, and that also matches your financial savvy so that you're choosing a business um, sector and you know making decisions that are gonna support you. I'll give an example. For many years, I started my business initially as a birth doula. I was living in Harlem, New York City, and... It was hard because I was, I wanted to do community work. I wanted to work with teen fam, you know, teen moms and um, a lot worked with a lot of recent African immigrant families who recently come to the United States and struggled with language. I was doing French, English translations and um, the work was really satisfying for me emotionally, really satisfying. And financially it was, bad. (laughs) It was really bad, which, you know, comes around to bite you because then you start to feel fatigued from the work. And it's not from the people. It's because you're not being filled by that, that half that needs to be filled. So, you know, my cup is so big. The emotions is I'm filling up half the cup, but the other half, like just never got full enough. And so I just never had a full enough cup. Um, So I did that for a few years. And then I started to feel "Hmm, when she's worth the burnout. And then I transitioned a little bit to I did a, like I think a couple of extra trainings I trained in massage so I was able to add massage into my work in um, in addition to being a doula and then I was able to work with um, families that had a little bit more funds or they would some people would you know pay me for massage and other people could pay me for doula work and that was really great living in Harlem especially because there was still a, a pretty strong middle class Black community there. So I could still work with black families that I was really passionate about. And I was able to kind of diversify my income so that I was feeling like my cup was really full both ways. So that was great. Until then I transitioned back to Minnesota and had to figure out, okay, there's a different market here. It's mostly white market. And um, I'd say that I had to switch or like kind of re, renegotiate some of my work around my sliding scale so that I could still work with families of color and still do some massage and some, some birth work, um, but also at the end of the day, bring in enough that could fill my cup. And so, you know, it's this kind of murky balance that you figure out over a year, you know, years and like talking it through and seeing how other people do it and um, I had other massage therapists and other doulas that I would talk to about how they did it and check their websites to see how they priced it. So I could figure out how to both do work that I was passionate about with the community I was passionate about, but also take care of myself at the end of the day because I didn't want to burn out.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And you know, there's baths and there's teas and breathing exercises, but if you can't pay your rent, that's a really quick path to burn out. Yeah. <laughs> so okay. yeah, that's been some of like my... Um, the ups and downs and like learning in my journey over the years
1: and I think that's such a great point and I I think it's right on time at least for me because that's where I'm at It's just in my business you know I'm like I can't pour from an empty cup and an empty cup is like me being financially sound you know so often we want to do this community work but who pays our bills at the end of the day? You know, like we can give so much to community for free and then we go home empty because Mm -hmm. we're literally struggling trying to figure out how the lights are going to be kept on or Mm -hmm. how we're going to pay this. So I think that growth mindset that you talked about and operating in abundance, and there's nothing wrong with doing good in community and still making money. I mean, I have a phrase or a saying that goes, he with the gold makes the rules. And that's just the reality of our society you know and I, I i think that um as we are social entrepreneurs and just working with social entrepreneurs that doesn't mean we have to be poor in doing so like we can you know? be rich we can be multimillionaires and still serve our community and still poor because like you said how how can i from an empty cup or how can I serve and I'm not my rent is not paid or I'm not being able to take care of home so I think that is a a great um, just reminder for myself of like it's okay you know like it's it's okay okay. to charge your (laughs) work and you have to live too and that doesn't take away from the good that you want to have or the impact that you want to have
2: on your community it's Um, about taking care of each other Right, I think when we talk about money, we have so much money trauma, and we have such a history in our in our society, United States, of people who were greed, who for whom greed was the thing, not just money, not just being taken care of, not just you know the sense of abundance, but the sense of excess and greed and having so much you can't even will it away, you can't even put it in enough foundations to you know. That's I like to really distinguish between being taken care of and being you know being held versus being greedy. They're not the same. They're not anything like the same. Right. Um uh, yeah. Not, and we used to we used to take care of our cultural our you know traditional cultural healers, they would not pay or they would not um ask for a price, right? If you went to a traditional healer, um you know, like medicine man, medicine woman think back to so like you know Nigeria or a midwife or something they wouldn't, add, we wouldn't price, this as my service and you must pay me at the door before you come inside the hospital kind of thing. But people would bring food. People would bring, you know, different things to them. People would make sure they're taking care of. People would h- house them in their home, right? Like for you to be doing community work and the lights aren't on, traditionally that would not happen. Someone would come and take care of you. So I feel like for me, I come from, you know, com- like, progressive communities that don't want to talk about, and I've had, I've seen doulas go on about, well, we need to pay, we paid our value and they're in like CEO speak because they want like $5,000. I'm not talking about $5,000 a birth. I'm talking about just being taken care of. But what's,
1: what's wrong with the 5,000? You know, like the 5,000 can help impact other work. You know, it can help right. help help build your team up to hire others to go out and deploy more healers as we, as we grow. I, I agree with the point that you just said is that I think we need to rethink healthy sort of, um, Mm -hmm. relationship with, with money. And it doesn't have to be from a capitalistic society for us to get taken care of. And I think part of abundance is having the freedom that money brings. I mean, I've read Mm -hmm. a meme on Instagram that said, I never met a depressed, broke person. And I think that is like, I mean, I've never met, of uh, 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 like no it was like something around the lines of like if you think money can't buy happiness send me your check like, <laughs> like it can i mean it, it's the reality and i think that uh i tell a lot of nonprofits that i talk to in order for the nonprofit to be successful and for you to do the work that you want to do it has to be profitable and i think mm-hmm. that same thing is true for social entrepreneurs is like don't pour from an empty cup and don't feel like you have to give um, your goods away for free. And I also think everything is about a season too. So there will be seasons where you want to give back for free. And then there will be seasons that you have to be paid for your your time and your resources and your talent. And both are okay, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. As long as, like you said, you're being poured into and, and you can take care of yourself first because I think our first ministry starts with home. Right, mm. And we can't go out and minister to someone else if home is not taken care of. So I just, right. I just think it was beautiful. And it was just a reminder to me on that, like <laughs> you, you gotta take your home first. Um, mm. To that extent, is there anything else you would like to share with the audience? Um, or did we miss anything? Just any tidbits that you would share um, to entrepreneurs, not just entrepreneurs in your space, but other entrepreneurs that may be on this entrepreneurial journey with you? Right. Um,
2: I think <clears throat> I would say to this point about money too, to stretch a little more is, you know, something like a sliding scale fee does not mean that you are going to go broke, right? I think there are ways that we can, and maybe this is kind of the next next phase of, um, of justice work it is like economic. I mean, we know Martin Luther King and so many people were moving toward that, that direction, right? Like, So there are economic justice tools like sliding scale, like scholarships, like discounts that we can use in a way or subsidizing or um, asking for extra grants or extra donations. It's not just that we're giving away, but we're asking for a different person to pay to subsidize somebody else's discount, right? I think so many of us are just wanna, if we're bleeding hearts, we're healers, especially in the wellness field of entrepreneurship. We wanna give everything away. And then folks who are maybe in the typical like technology fields or even medicine, it's like, no, this is the price and I will not bend. And I feel like if we all come to a middle ground and get a little creative, we can help a lot of people <laughs> because the way I wanted to mention for any folks who are interested in doing sliding fee scale work, I've done some research around that. Um, Alexis Cunningham, uh, yes, is an herbalist who put out this image called the green bottle. If you look up the green bottle sliding scale on Google, it'll pull up these three different green bottles that show, we're talking about cups, right? Cups that are basically have different levels of being full. And what does it look like in terms of what can you buy? How many vacations you get? How often you get coffee that kind of places you like at kind of one third full or you know, two thirds full or fully full and when i've talked to a lot of practitioners when they use something like that where people place themselves and then you say i have three different prices and you've you've maybe put your your normal price in the middle or toward the upper side and then you go down and you go up from that and if you can get clients if you can market to clients on both ends you can really for example for myself in using my sliding scale i actually made more money when I use the sliding scale than before, because I attracted a lot of people who wanted to support me and my equity work and making, you know, healing work more accessible to people, that they're like, yeah, if I can, I can pay you the top. And then I had some people pay me $5 who otherwise would never get healing work. So I feel like we can get more creative so that people can access all this work and we don't, you know, martyr ourselves um, and we don't become so rigid in the sense like, well, I have to give everything away. I have to lowball everything there are some people who will pay you let them pay you <laughs> let them pay you put a high price you know see what happens um and then you know don't be so rigid that you won't ever let someone get a discount people need discounts sometimes it's okay you know um create a separate uh PayPal pool, you know, raise money for donations that will cover so that some people can get a discount. So that's what I would say um, to entrepreneurs. But to this point about, um, you know, traditional cultures and getting out of capitalism, because I think the capitalism actually makes us live in scarcity more than it helps us live in abundance. I think getting out of some of those modern things about money has helped me to feel more taken care of because I'm leaning on. My my cheerleaders, my um, different you know collective members, my apprentices, my mentors—they've got me so much more. Um, and with Oshun Center for Intercultural Healing, every quarter for either the equinox or the solstice, we're going to have a you know a talk with healers around cultural and collective medicines. Um, we have one big retreat um, that's both virtual and in person for. The autumn equinox coming up September 25th and 26th, where we're going to talk about self preservation, <laughs> right? Which is what all this is about, too. Like, how are we living abundance, preserving ourselves, not being martyrs? Um, and, you know, as the seasons change and we move into a, a time when the earth will not have as much abundance, how are we also holding on to what we need for ourselves? sharing what we have, sharing the harvest, you know, metaphorical harvest with each other. If we have extra, um, maybe trying to get a little extra so that we can share it. Like you're saying about if you're taking $5,000 client, take, if they will pay you, take it, but then pay it forward. You know, if you you have the extra means. Um, So yeah, I invite any of your viewers to come check out. We have online courses, we have the quarterly events and um, more coming through, we sparkle around The support and support in a broad sense not just nuts and bolts software definitely will be doing that um but also the emotional support and the confidence building the courage building that it takes to be an entrepreneur for you know the long run
0: thank you so much oh too
2: yeah i'll just say you um can check out we sparkle and or oshuncenter.wesparkle.co to learn more about our events or um, follow us on social media that we spark on Instagram, Oshun Center, O-S-H-U-N Center um, on Instagram. And then I'm on Instagram with my personal account at Ihotu Ali. So it's I-H-O-T-U-A-L-I.
1: Well, thank you, Ihotu, for an amazing interview um, today. You all, please make sure you follow the work and sign up for some of the her healing events um, and we just appreciate your time today and I'm sure the audience and the viewers will appreciate this interview as well. On that note, you all, it has been another amazing episode of We Just Sparkle um, and we look forward to seeing you soon.
2: Thank you. Bye.